Hey, thank you for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can go to our website, renewalchicago.com. I pray that this podcast today is a blessing and encouragement to your soul. Today I want to preach on being pure in heart. Being pure in heart. Before we go any further, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're a good God, and we do thank you for how good you've been to us. God, we pray that in your goodness, God, we would never forget the sacrifice, your sacrifice on the cross. God, I pray right now as I preach your word, Lord, that it would not be me speaking, but it would be you speaking through me. God, decrease me so that you may increase in this place and let your folks hear a word from you. Let every ear hear from you, Jesus. Hide me behind the cross. Have your way. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, we all say together, amen, amen. You can take a seat. You ever ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? You ever asked that question before? I mean, in a world like today where there's all this craziness going on and people are doing pretty foul things, have you ever asked the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, and, and then you sit in the midst of all the craziness. You see all this stuff going on in America, all across the world, and you're like, wait a second, why, why do the people that are doing all these bad things, why, why are they still prospering? But then you look back and you look at the good people or the people that we deem to be good, and they're struggling. Have you ever asked, why do bad things happen to good people? Maybe you're there this morning, and you're like, man, I'm going through it. I'm trying my best, but I'm still struggling. Why do all these things keep happening to me? Have you ever asked that question? Let's be honest. We all been there, right? See, and you hear me, there's one huge problem with the premise of the question, though. See, to ask this question, why do bad things happen to good people, one has to presuppose or assume that that person was first good. And, and, and what I'm prodding at is this question of what actually makes a person good? Like, how do you deem a person to be good? Is it their works? Is it by what you see them do? Is it by what they look like? How is a person actually good? I mean, is it by what you see or is it by what you can't see? Is it by what's, what's in their heart? Because here's the thing. Somebody can do all kind of good things. They could do great works out in community and you can see them doing all these great things. But yet at the same time, if you were able to take a snapshot of their heart, you would see that it's messed up more than you can ever imagine. So, so is a person good by what they do or is a person good by what's actually in their heart? And as we walk through this text today, when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, what he's actually saying is that it doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter what you look like or appear to be like, all he's really concerned with is what's in your heart. 
What's the condition of your heart? You know why? Because out of your heart, everything comes from. Your mouth speaks. All of these come, things come from your mouth. I mean, your, your heart. So, so your condition of your heart, that's, a, that's what he's really concerned with. We can do all these good things, but your heart can be messed up. And if we're able, really, if we took a real good snapshot of our own hearts or another person's hearts, you know what we would see? We'd see a messed up ball of confusion that struggles with trying to truly do good. See, at our core, y'all may not like this, but y'all, our hearts are desperately sick. They're sick and in need of a savior. We waver like the wind and the waves back and forth. Our hearts are set on one thing that, that is not God. I mean, we're truly sick at our core in a lot of ways, and we need a savior. So, so the question shouldn't be, why do bad things happen to good people? It really should be, why do bad things happen to bad people? But see, we don't ask that question because if a bad thing happens to a bad person, then we think they just got what was coming to them, right? You deserve that. We, we don't necessarily say, oh, 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 bless your heart. I'm sorry that you're going through that. No, you deserve that. See, at our core, nobody, if we really look at it, we're really not that great. See, even our good intentions and things that we do sometimes have selfish motivations. They have bad motivations underlying them, if we're really honest. It's not about the person sometimes when we're doing something for them. Sometimes it's about us. The problem is we don't like to think of ourselves as bad. We don't. We don't like to think of other people as bad, which makes this beatitude right here very tough. Because if we're not able to acknowledge the messiness of our own hearts and our inclination to run to our own way or run our own lives instead of running to God, then y'all, we will miss God. We won't see God as the text says. We'll miss it. So as we're ending this text today, the question that I want you to be pondering, it should be ringing in your minds right now, is how does one become pure in heart? How does one become pure in heart? Because I'm not sure about you, but I want to see God. The text says they shall see. I want to see God. I want to be with my maker. I don't know about you, but I want to be with him. So ponder that question as we walk through this text this morning. How does one become pure in heart? Can you do that with me? Now, by way of reminder, as we've been walking through this, some of you guys are new. You haven't been here. So Jesus is on this mountain right now. He's preaching, and he sat down, and he's talking to his disciples, and he He's talking to all those that are around him, too. They hear this sermon on the mount, and so he's talking to people that are following him and people that are not following him. He's preaching on what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus, what it means to live your life for Christ. And as I've told you in weeks before, he continues to state this word. Y'all remember it? I told y'all y'all not with me this morning. He, he, he continues to pre say this word, blessed. Over and over again, he keeps saying this word, bless. Y'all, I'm a black preacher. I told y'all that before. Y'all got to speak to me, okay? He keeps saying this word, blessed, over and over and over again. And as, as, it's as if your parents are repeating something over and over to you again. Like when they say, don't play with that fire or you're going to get burnt. Y'all grew up just like me. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't play with fire, you get burnt. They keep saying to this, saying you over and over again, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And when somebody says something to you over and over again, what do you do? You pay attention to it. 
So we got to pay attention to this blessed word. And I'm going to keep talking about this because I know we miss it. Even when we walk out of here, we go back to thinking what blessed actually means. I'm going to get my blessings. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. The word blessed here, y'all hear me, is not tied to any circumstance or surrounding situation, which is important to note because it's, it's an inward happiness that's not dictated by, your, by what happens to you. I have, I've said it over and over again to you, but let me try to make this plain. As I was in India, as I told you this past week, and I'm watching people, and I'm talking to some of the fellow Christians there, and I'm looking at them, and they don't have anything, but, they, but yet they're saying, I'm still blessed. It's messing me up. You're still blessed. Okay, that's awesome. I mean, have you ever been there before where you've seen somebody go through something crazy, and, and you're like, man, how are you doing? And in the midst of the craziness, when you see them, they're like, they just crack a smile and like, I'm blessed. I mean, you ever been there with somebody when you, you, you and, and when they say that, you're like, but, 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 but you're going, aren't you? You ever seen that happen with somebody before? They just smile in the midst of the mess and say, I'm still blessed. I mean, I have to believe this is one of the reasons that black slaves in America would sing in the fields. I mean, it, it, they would sing also to communicate with one another so that they wouldn't get accused of plotting a rebellion because they couldn't really talk in the fields. But one of the other reasons was they would sing and pray so they could get through the day. They can encourage one another. Swing low, sweet chariot. They would sing these songs in the midst of the field so they could get through the day because I can tell you it wasn't the crack of the whip on their back that kept them going. It wasn't picking cotton as their hands got cut up that kept them going through the day either. No, 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 no. It was the singing and the praising that kept them going because there was this inner happiness, this supreme joy that came from knowing that regardless of what's happening to them or around them, there's an inner happiness that comes from God that cannot be taken away. Y'all, I'm telling you, being blessed does not come from what's happening around you. So with that... The crack of the whip, when it would happen, they would sing and praise. Picking cotton, they would be singing and praising. Family, being blessed has nothing to do with outward circumstances or how you feel. In other words, as I've tried to tell you before, that your state, that being blessed, is not dictated by your condition, but instead by your purpose and meaning. Now hear me with this. That don't let your condition dictate your state, which is what is happening all too much right now in our society because we live in a generation of feelings. We're feelers, we're millennials, we're, we're, we're feelers, and, 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 and if everything in our society is catered to how we feel. So hear me, this messes with a believer's understanding of being blessed because if I have a bad day, or if something doesn't go my way or something bad happens to me, then I, be, I start to begin to doubt God. Or all of a sudden, I'm not blessed. But then if I have an awesome day, then I crack a smile and I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. Everything is good because I've had a great day. Everything went, it was Derek's day. Hear me, family, your, your blessing, the bless, you being blessed as a Christian 
does, it's not dictated by what's happening to you or what's going on around you. I keep repeating this over and over again because your, your bl- being blessed is based off of what Jesus has already done for you, not what's happening to you. Big difference. Be careful not to let your condition dictate your state. Your state, again, is dictated by your purpose and meaning. And as a believer, you're blessed because in Jesus, you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God which means that you will live with him forever and ever in all eternity. Nothing can take that away from you. Some of y'all needed to hear that this morning. Some of us are down and out because something happened to us this week or in the past month that we didn't like or didn't go the way we wanted it to go. Now we feel as if God has left us. We feel as if God doesn't love us. The truth of the matter is there's nothing you can do There's nothing that can happen to you that will change his love for you. He loves you regardless of you. He saved you regardless of you, which means that you're going to live in heaven regardless of you too. Keep that. Remember that your state is not dictated by your condition. This this brings us to our passage today. Remember, y'all, there's three key words. I keep saying them. Blessed equals state. Number two, you're... That R, that word R equals your condition. What follows it is is your condition. And then third, four, equals purpose or meaning. Remember those three as we walk through the Beatitudes. They help you as you read them. So in this, it says that the person that is pure in heart is blessed because they will see God. Again, your state is dictated by your purpose and meaning, not your condition. Now, hear me, family. This Beatitude is very hard. Because it kind of makes sense. I mean, it kind of makes sense when you're looking at the condition where the others, they don't really make sense. They kind of contradict the the, the state, the blessed part. I mean, you think about, it it says the merciful will receive mercy. Will be. I'm going to have mercy. That's great. But but when you read this one, it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall shall see God. I mean, when you read that, it kind of makes sense. I mean, the pure in heart, they, they should see God, right? They should see God. I mean, but, but as I said in the beginning, this is what makes this beatitude very tough because it's easy to miss what Jesus is saying. So hear me, the pure in heart are those whose pursuit of purity and uprightness affects every area of their life. They will see God, but don't mix this up with works-based salvation or working for your approval. Uh, don't, don't mix this up with what's happening externally around you where others are actually able to say, well, look at him. He's doing a great job. Look at her. Look at her. And then by doing that, you're justifying your purity. Now, you're, you're justifying your heart. No, no, no. Family, hear me. If, you, if you're basing your pure and pureness of your heart off of what you do, then that's self-righteousness. We, we talked about that a few weeks ago. That's self-righteousness, which when you're working for something, when you're trying to approve yourself, when you're trying to work to get closer to God, it actually makes you not closer to God. It takes you further away from God. But see, in us, there still remains this hunger in all of us to see God. We want to see God. And when I say this, I, I don't actually mean just want to see him physically. I'm not also talking about just hanging out with God, too. I mean, it would be cool to just hang out with God, right? It'd be cool to sit with him like he's your homie and all of that, and, you know, just be cool to do that. But that's not what I'm actually talking about right here. That would be nice, 
But as I've told you before, we're all, every one of us, different shades and color, all of us are formed in the image of God. We're made in the image of God. So therefore, we will seek to be like him in all our ways, whether that's consciously giving ourselves to God, saying, God, here I am. Make me the man or the woman that you want me to be. I give you my life, whether that's consciously or is unconsciously, not really trying to live for God, not trying to give him your life, but yet you're still trying to live a righteous life. Either way, you're still trying to be pure at heart. You're still trying to be like God, but only one of those ways promises us seeing God. See, the problem is that our good works, they don't save us. They don't save us or else Jesus wouldn't have had to die for us. He wouldn't have had to come to this. I mean, even our works are tainted by our selfish desires to prove oneself to ourselves, to other people, to God even. I mean, it's tainted. If we're honest, it's pretty tainted. It's our trust in Jesus that makes us righteous. It's our trust in him to where God sees us now as sons and daughters of his. It's our trust in Jesus that cleanses us of our sins. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says this. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Y'all see that gift? It's a gift. It's not a result of your works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, friends, we're saved by placing our trust and our faith in Jesus, trusting in his finished work on the cross. Salvation or righteousness has nothing to do with our works. It's not, it, hasn't, it doesn't have anything to do with our outward appearance. It has all to do with believing in Jesus. But see, here's what I want you to see. See, the problem is that many times in our lives, even though we believe in Jesus, we still end up missing one of the most important lessons that he taught Because we can believe that salvation has nothing to do with the work of my hands or what I bring to the table, but still not have a pure heart. And the problem is that what really matters to Jesus is what's in your heart. Because anyone can say and do the right things. But do you really believe? Do you really believe in him? Hear me, your actions and your works can, seem, can make you seem to look like you're very close to God, look like you have an awesome relationship with him, but when it really counts, when he starts looking at your heart, you couldn't be any further away from God. I mean, we all know the person, or perhaps maybe this is you right now, got that high control Anybody struggle with high control? You got high control in your life. Everything is under your own control. And, 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 and it looks as if when people look at you, they're like, man, they got it all together. There's nothing going on in their life that's not right. Households in order. Good steward of their money. They're in financial peace. Always on time to meetings. They dress nice. Their kids are orderly, kept in control. They come to church, y'all. I mean, when you look at them, everything looks good. But deep down inside of them, they're struggling with this control idol that's driving everything that they do, where it may look like they're close to God, but they're very far from God. 
The reason being is because they, they, they can't let go and let God work. They're holding on to everything like this. I'm doing it. I got to do it my way, God. Maybe that's you right now. What are you holding on to right now that you need to let go of and say, here it is, God? What do you need to let God have control over in your life? Anybody struggling with that this morning? And see, this is extremely hard because all of those things that I just named off the high control person deals with, y'all, they're all good things. They're all good things. It wasn't anything bad. The question is, where does the motivation come from? What foundation, what will are you drawing from? Where are you getting that from? What's really going on in your heart? Because to everyone else, it would seem like you're very close to God, but in reality, you're not. Okay, some of y'all missing what I'm saying. Some people would say it like this. You can't, you can't judge a book by its cover. Y'all heard that before? can't judge a book by its cover because once you start to get to know somebody, you might get to know something altogether a little different. I mean, whether it's good or it's bad. Some of y'all dating right now, and you know exactly what I mean. You, you, were, you were not at all attracted to that person that you were dating, and then when you got into the dating relationship, you fell head over heels for them. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you're a guy and you found this girl and she was so fine. You were like, man, she's the prettiest thing moving out here. And you took her on a couple of dates and you start getting to know her. You start getting to see her personality. You're like, man, that's pretty ugly. And, 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 and I mean, now, now you're like, man, she was pretty, but the inside's ugly. You know what? That makes her pretty ugly. Some of y'all get that on the way home, but y'all, y'all, y'all missed that. See, some of y'all still not getting this. I mean, how many of y'all like Pineapple. Pineapple, right? Woo! Yeah, I'm telling you, pineapple in India is off the chain. I don't know what it is, but it was off the chain. Pineapple, I love pineapple, especially on a hot day. Like, just something about pineapple, it just, it does something to your taste buds. I mean, the juiciness and the sweetness of the pineapple, when you eat that pineapple and you put it in your mouth, I mean, it's good. Y'all ever had cold pineapple? Oh, boy, pineapple. When you eat that pineapple... But when you look at pineapple in its original casing, look at this picture. When you see pineapple in its original casing, yeah, it, it almost turns you off from wanting to eat the pineapple. It's ugly. It's like prickly. It pokes you. It, it can cut you at times. You, nothing, nothing about this pineapple makes me want to eat it. The outside is, is a pure turnoff to the sweetness that's inside of it. I mean, if you tried to bite this thing, it might cut your mouth. You might break a tooth or something trying to bite into this pineapple. It would probably just be straight up nasty. I mean, I, I, one of the things I hate when I'm eating pineapple, maybe y'all can go with me on this, but when, when somebody peels the pineapple and then you get a little bit of the skin in the pineapple and, and you try to, it was juicy, and then you bite this hard thing and it's like, oh, uh, uh, you choking and stuff. And you got to spit the whole pineapple up because it's not good anymore because the outer casing got into the inside of the sweetness. Y'all not following me with this, family. Here's the thing. When you peel that pineapple just right, <laughs> and you get to the inside of it, whew, there's not too many things that are better than that. The outside didn't look like, nor taste like the inside. See, see, with this beatitude, what Jesus is trying to do, he's taking our understanding of purity from an outward appearance level to a heart level. See, therefore, Jesus isn't really concerned with how you look, what you're doing. He's really 
truly concerned with the pureness of your heart. And if your heart is pure, you know what happens? Then your actions and how you look will begin to be that way too. He's concerned with your heart. See, because here's the thing. Nobody really thinks about the outer casing of that pineapple because you know what it tastes like on the inside. Mm. This is extremely tough, though. Because society, our friends, our relatives, and others around us, they don't necessarily deem us as good because of the condition of our hearts. They can't see it. They deem us as good people because of what we do. We're righteous because of what we do. You give to a charity, oh, man, you're such a good person. You open that door for a woman, you're such a sweet guy. Man, you, 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 that made my baby boy cracks a smile or your baby scraps a smile at, at somebody. Oh, he's such a sweetie pie. But you don't know that he's a little hellion at home. <laughs> Not my DJ, he's off the chain. But you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you just, see, looks could be deceiving because the, the heart, you may look pure, but your heart could be so messed up. This is hard because you can mask. And, and even trick yourself to not see the condition of your heart. Jesus points this out. He makes it very clear in verse 28 of chapter 5 when he says, anyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. So, for example, for a man who desires to be with a woman physically but cannot do so because he's trying to honor God and keep the marriage bed undefiled, is not proven pure. Don't miss this. He's not proven pure just because with the urge of physical intimacy, he doesn't go look at porn. Or he, he, he's, he's not actually sleeping around. He's not sleeping with this girl. He's got all the guards up. He's doing all these things right. Y'all hear me. All of that doesn't make him pure. That's not what makes him pure because, family, you, you can have all the guards up and accountability, all those different things, but that's not necessarily dealing with your heart. Now, now, don't hear me saying guards and accountability aren't good things. In a day like today, most men, if not all men, as well as some women, need to have some kind of accountability software on their phones and on their computers like covenant eyes that give somebody a ping in your community or your accountability when you look at something you're not supposed to look to that they get it and they're like man what's up dude how you doing can i pray for you because they want to point you back to jesus so we we all need that type of accountability but hear me that's not what makes you pure you need it it helps but it does not make you Pure, Jesus is concerned with your heart. That, that, that focuses a lot of times on what you're doing. So you can have all the guards, but in your heart still be looking at a woman and lusting after her, after her wanting to sleep with her. And hear me. It's okay to say that somebody is beautiful. I got to say this because some of the men here are like, oh, my God, I'm such a sinner. I told this woman yesterday she was fine. Calm down. That's too Christian. I mean, you, you, you can tell somebody they look good. You can compliment somebody. God made us beautiful. So you should be able to recognize beauty. But, but, but hear me, when that stare at beauty turns from just one stare to now staring at her backside like, hmm. And then you're like, dang, she fine. 
And then it turns to LL Cool J. Mm. <laughs> Yo, you done went too far. Look at your lips and everything. Come on now. You done went too far. See, hear me again. It's not enough to seek purity in your actions, in your appearance. In fact, it won't help you unless your heart is pure. But y'all, here's the big problem. Our hearts aren't pure. Our hearts are deceitful above all things and wicked according to Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, who can understand our heart? Wicked hearts. Who can understand it? So the question becomes, well, how does one become righteous or upright? How do I have a pure heart? Well, you look at Jeremiah 17. He answers that in verse 10. He says, look at this. I, the Lord, search the heart. You see that? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So, friends, here it is. How, how, how one's heart becomes pure, don't miss this, don't miss it, is by simply acknowledging how messy it truly is and then trusting and believing in Jesus. Believing in Jesus, God in the flesh, on a heart level, because it says that only who? Only God knows the heart. Where now our actions and our words now flow and follow because what we do is, again, directly connected to the condition of your heart. So this means that if we trust and believe in Jesus in our hearts and we give our lives to Jesus, then we will live our lives to glorify him because our hearts are for him. Which means that your time, talent, and your treasure, you will give to Jesus. You will give willingly because it's for Jesus. You will do all these things because it's for Jesus. Your hearts are now directed towards him. Not you, but him. But the question still may remain in some of your minds, well, why do I have to trust Jesus? Why can't I just trust me from time to time? Why, why can't I just help my heart become pure? Why can't I work for it? And the answer is because even if you try to say, well, my heart is pure, I'm doing good things, I'm a good person, I've done this, I've done that, hear me. On a fundamental heart level, hear me, there's still sin. We still have sin. Which, if you remember from a few weeks ago, we, that, that means we've missed the mark. We've missed the mark of God's holiness, this archery turn. We, we've missed the bullseye of God's holiness. And it's not on an action level. It's not on necessarily what you do, but it's in your heart. It's in our hearts, which means that if every ounce of you believes that you are pure, everything about you believes you're pure, family, hear me, apart from Jesus, we're not because of sin. Because the mark you're missing is the holiness of God. And the only one that has hit the holiness, that mark of holiness, is God himself. Which is why Jesus, God in the flesh, comes down. The second person of the Trinity was sent to die the death that we deserved on the cross. Then he rises from the dead with power in his hands, leaving sin and death in the ground. And now welcoming anybody who will believe in him by faith. Now they can believe and live with him for eternity. 
But yet he doesn't stop there because when Jesus dies and he comes out from the grave, he lives for about 40 days, he, he, he now ascends to heaven. And when he ascends, he doesn't leave the believers by themselves. But if they believe, he sends the power, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Now, who walks with you, who talks with you, who counsels you, who convicts you, who keeps you. Because when Jesus died on the cross, y'all, he only died to free us from the power and the penalty of sin. But now we still walk, guess what, in the presence of sin. So that means we still need a little help. So he gave us the Holy Spirit, if we believe, who will help us from time to time because we're going to tend to fall. We're going to tend to be tempted. We're going to mess up over and over again. But yet with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can walk upright. We can glorify God in our lives, keeping our eyes on him. He helps us keep our eyes on Jesus in the day that we're in. So all I'm saying, family, hear me, hear me, and all of that, the only way to truly be pure in heart is to trust Jesus in all our ways. And this text says that the pure in heart will see what? They will see God. They'll see God. This verse, like others, says they will see God, which means that the believer will not see God fully until the coming of the new heaven and new earth. But if one keeps trusting in Jesus, in all things, Revelations 22, 4 says, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. That's the day that I'm looking forward to. So hear me, back to this question. We asked in the beginning, how does one become pure in heart? Y'all, it's simply by trusting Jesus whose blood has covered all our sin. And he still stands. Guess where he's standing? He's standing at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf. So when you mess up, God still looks at him. He's not looking at you and your mess ups. He's still accepting you based off of what Jesus did for you. So all he's saying is just believe. Keep believing. Which means, hear me, that there's freedom in your belief to not have to perform. To not have to be basing things off my actions, y'all. There's freedom to admit your failures. There's freedom to be inadequate. There's freedom to be you. Because no matter what you do, no matter how far, how far you fall or how short you fall, I mean, if you believe in Jesus, you're still seen as pure by God. Some of you may have walked in this room this morning. And you're saying, I'm such a mess. My heart is so messed up. My actions, what I did last night, what I've done this past week, this past month, I'm so messed up. Why would God want me? Why, why would he want to be with me? And friends, hear me. All of that may be true. You may have messed up. You, 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 your heart may be messed up, and God is still saying, I want you to come to me. Flaws and all, you don't have to clean up anything. Just come to me. Just believe in me. Believe in what I've done for you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says these words. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Christ wants you to come to him and believe. And guess what? He will make you new by his word. Just believe. Some of us walked in here, and you're already tuned out because you believe I'm, I'm already good. I'm pure. I do good things. 
People know me by my works. That's me. I've been a good person in society. Family, let me tell you something. Stop fooling yourself saying I'm a good person, having to prove yourself by what you do. There's only been one person who has truly been good. And guess what? That person died for you. He gave it up for us. Believe in Jesus. And now, as I always say, you'll work from a place of approval instead of poor approval. And with this, let me say this, because some of you all may be saying, well, what does that mean? What do I do now? Be, be, just believe in, I'm not saying go be one of those people that sit on the couch and do nothing with your life and you just sit there and be like, I just got to have faith. God's going to come through. He's going to make it happen for me. I, I got to do, I, I don't have to do anything. I'm just believe. No, no, no. Faith without works is dead, James tells us. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that, but, 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 but don't mix it up, family. What I'm saying is don't, don't proceed your faith with your works. Believe, then work. Whatever you do, do it in faith. So you want to work hard at your job? Okay, am I praying every day before I go into this job asking God to, to guide my path, make these things happen in this job? Like, am I thanking God for the privilege of having a job? Am I thanking God for the privilege of being able to have a family? What are you doing with your life? How are you recognizing God with your life and being thankful for what he's doing in you? What's your heart really look like? Friends, being pure in heart is not what it's not in what you do or by what you look like. One finds purity in heart by who they believe in and then working from that place of belief. Let's not just play Christianity. Let's not just be the the good Christian by what we look like. Believe and let the purity of your faith drive your life. Let me end with this. There was this woman that had this really nice watch. Anybody got nice watches? Y'all like nice watches? Okay to admit if you like nice watches. Okay, you like nice jewelry. She had a nice watch. It was a coach watch. It cost a little bit of money, and she noticed one day that it wasn't working. It wasn't working correctly, and she's tapping on it. She's trying to get it to work, and she decides to take it to the jewelry store. She walks into the jewelry store, and she notices behind the, the desk the clerk is a foreign guy. And so she walks in, kind of nervous. She doesn't know if he's going to understand what she's got to say. And she says, sir, can you fix my watch? And he looks at her kind of funny. And he says in his own vernacular, is, is it genuine or not? And she says, I can't understand what you said. Can you, can you fix it? He said, is it genuine or not? She says, I don't understand what you're saying. And he says it again. He says, is it genuine or not? She says, sir, I cannot understand you. He says, that's okay, just give it to me. When I open it up, I'll see if it's genuine or not. Family, hear me, and I don't say this to scare you or make you believe. The reality is there's coming a day where every one of us, believer or non-believer, we will stand before Jesus. And he's going to look into the depths of our heart. And he's going to say, is it genuine or not? Did you truly believe in me? I, I don't care what you did for me. It's not about all of that. Did you truly believe? Is your heart truly pure? 
Did your belief drive what you did in life? Do you truly know me? Are you genuine in life? The pureness of our heart comes from our belief in Jesus. We truly believe. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're an awesome God. God, we thank you for your death on the cross, rising from the grave, walking with us, talking with us, leaving us with the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for your love that covers our sins. Thank you, God, that the pureness of our heart isn't even dependent on what we do. It's not dependent on what we bring to the table, but it's dependent on our belief in you. You've done it all, God, for us. You just say, come to me. God, sometimes it's hard to imagine and fathom that goodness. Because nothing around us offers that same goodness. But you do. God, I pray if there's folks in here that are struggling with their belief, they're struggling with their faith, that they would submit right now and say, Jesus, I need you. I've been trying to lead my own life. I've been on the throne instead of you on the throne, and I need you, Jesus. I confess my sins. I've missed the mark. And I want you to lead and guide my life. God, I pray, even if they know Jesus, maybe that's a prayer they need to say, God, I need to come back to you. I've been far. God, I pray that we would be a truly believing church. Not just a church that performs lip service so we look good on the outer, but our inner God matches or not, or, or maybe even looks better than our outer. God, work in our hearts, renewing us the right spirit. It's to you we give all the glory and all the honor. It's in Jesus' name. We all sit together. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast today. I pray again that it was a blessing and encouragement to your soul. And I hope to see you at one of our services at 10 a.m. Take care. God bless you. Sure.